Hey there, we're the Westlaw Pirates and welcome to the show. We're here to share our thoughts on Northwestern athletics and college sports with thoughts and analysis from the visceral to the statistical. We run our tailgate with the red pirate flag flying high above as we give no quarter, especially the fourth. I'm Sam Walter. I'm John Lacombe. And I'm Eric Skoskowspo. Oh, well, guys, a little context for tonight. Um, I, I know I'm giving context before every preview, but uh, as we still don't know what the hell's going on as far as schedules go, uh, do need to mention we are recording this the evening of the 23rd of July. Um, so again, if, if you, anything has changed between now and when you're hearing this, we apologize. We can't read the future. Uh, tonight, we are talking about the Maryland Terrapins, um, a final team from the East we have to talk about. Um, oh, interesting. We get our crossovers uh, over with early if if existing schedule stays, yeah, uh, theoretically. stays as, as planned. Um, yeah. No, I mean, cool if, cool if that's the case. But, uh, you know, like I say, we'll see how that goes. But yeah, Maryland, uh, coming off um, a rough year last year, three and nine. Um, Mike Loxley, you know, recruiting okay. He knows the DMV, as they always say. But um, you know, this team was, you know, th- there's a lot of building that still needs to happen before Maryland is relevant again. But in the Big Ten East, is that even possible? A, a lot of building. Yeah, that's that's a an optimistic way to put it. <laughs> no, I'm trying to see the the good in all sorts of things here. Um. Oh, I mean, if we're talking defense, boy, um, to, to even refer to it as as building, I guess that's that's one way to put it. Um, in 2018, Maryland fielded the seventh best total defense in the Big Ten. But when we looked at the realities of that unit, of what was really going on, and the departing talent that was leaving the team after 2018, here was our prediction last summer. And I quote, this defense may not be the worst in the conference, but it won't be much more than that. So (laughs) did we get this prediction wrong? Because Maryland was the worst defense in the conference. (laughs) Um, I guess you could have say maybe Rutgers is worse. I guess it kind of depends if you think Rutgers is a Big Ten team or not. Um, (laughs) But truthfully, though, you can make an argument that Maryland's defense was definitely worse than Rutgers' defense. In fact, you could argue that, and we, we've talked about it for years, that while Rutgers is in a worse position defensively in the Big Ten in kind of a perennial, generally existential way, it is really hard to argue that any defense in the conference is in a worse place at this exact moment than the Terrapins are. So first, uh, st- stack. I will chime in briefly that uh, Maryland was five spots better in S and P plus than Rutgers on defense. But that's, I mean, it's, it's kind of splitting splitting hairs. You're right, exactly. It's it's splitting. Yeah, gross, disgusting hairs you fished out of the bottom of your bathtub. <laughs> uh, um, <laughs> this defense. What what, what imagery? Yeah, right. Oh, we we are firing on all cylinders tonight, boys. Oh my god, I I've been primed for for this evening uh, for a while, not just for Maryland. Um, this defense was a dumpster fire last year, so in 2018 they established something of a mirage because they got Jesse Annie Bonham back from injury up front, and they hit on a couple random transfers. 
And just like we predicted last summer, the bottom completely fell out in 2019. This is a 3-4 defense, so the linemen aren't expected to get to the QB, and they sure didn't. Um, uh, outside linebacker transfer Keandre Jones, not a defensive lineman, provided literally, literally all of the Terps pass rush. He had seven sacks. No other player had more than two. Antoine Brooks, who was the other another linebacker and the team's best returning defensive player, continued to do yeoman's work, I guess against the run, but he had zero sacks. And before last season, we explained how the Terps were one of the teams, and this is that joke, that the same joke we told with Rutgers, the teams just chose not to throw on. Um, that was 2018. They sure didn't do that in 2019. Everyone very quickly diagnosed that it was absolute open season on this team through the air, and Maryland was obliterated in the passing game with the worst pass defense in the conference by a wide margin. Compounding this, though, is that Maryland was also a total failure against the run. The fact that the Terps only start three defensive linemen shouldn't take away from the reality that they almost certainly started the worst defensive line in the conference last year. I can't stress this enough. These guys did nothing. Nothing statistically and nothing in a non-statistic 3-4 preventing linemen from getting downfield. These guys might as well not have been there. So there were nine decent run defenses in the conference last year, then a big drop-off, and then Maryland at 10. Um, And again, this is the thing that Maryland did. This was the better part of this defensive unit. Brooks, again, the best defensive player, did what he could to glue things together at linebacker. He had 87 tackles and and eight and a half tackles for loss. That wasn't remotely enough. But here's the big kicker to all of this. And it's truly amazing, and I'm amazingly morbidly curious about this. Maryland might have sucked last year, but the book on this defense was how young it was last year. Well, guess what? Maryland doesn't just lose Brooks and Jones this year. Seven defensive backs have transferred out of the program. I mean this literally. This team has nothing in terms of returning production. Nothing. Here's what I mean. The best player returning from last year is probably outside linebacker Ayinde Ale. He had one sack last year. The best returning player... uh, in the front seven, that's the second best returning player in the front seven, linebacker Chance Campbell uh, had zero sacks last year. These two guys started. That's one sack combined. Remember, this is a 3-4. This is where the pass rush is supposed to come from. But we should really stop talking about returning players. This is going to be a gut rebuild like you rarely see at any level of college football. This defense may be starting mostly or all freshmen, or redshirt freshmen, by halfway through the season. And the result of this is, this is going to be one of the worst defenses this conference has ever seen. 
The coaching staff is going to try to treat this like a mulligan year, and it's going to be an absolute bloodbath. It is stunning that the bottom has fallen out like this for the Terps defensively. Um, but I like I've never seen anything like this defensively. Even with Rutgers, they have nothing. Like there are no four-star players waiting to play. It's like a group of recruits that if it was Northwestern, you'd be like, well, I guess it's kind of like a substandard year, but okay. That's the starters for next year. And they're going to be freshmen and redshirt freshmen. Um, unless Scuzz paints some absolute miracle situation for this offense, um, it's going to be almost impossible for Maryland to score the points required to get any wins this year. Um, and it's hilarious off the top. And again, like Sam said, um, the schedule is probably getting blown up. But under the old schedule, we got a bye week to prepare for this defense. And it's if that holds true, or even if it doesn't hold true, wherever Maryland falls in our schedule, it's just going to be an opportunity for our offense to get feeling good about whatever it is we're trying to do at that point in time. Um, and under the old schedule, it would really be a feel-good, get-on-track moment before we head to Iowa City in late October. Um, but again, I'm I'm in morbid fascination and awe. This will be one of the worst defenses we've ever seen in the 10 years we've been doing this pod. Wow. Um, my, my goodness. Uh, Eric, top that. I can't. <laughs> Let me start there. Um, I will say that the, the offense in 2019 was... Um, ended up as an as a disaster of epic proportions um so I, like i'm gonna paint a picture for you that's gonna that's gonna basically show you that maryland is gonna play every game as a shootout next year um and in a lot of those games they aren't gonna have a chance but i think overall they're probably gonna be better than than in 2019 we'll get there so i suggested in last year's preview that the transfer of josh jackson uh coming to maryland from virginia tech the strength of Maryland's running backs and their history developing uh, really good receiver talent meant that they could they could potentially be sneaky good on offense if they put it all together. Um, that looked downright prophetic after they dropped 63 points on Syracuse in the second week of the year. But then they got blasted by Penn State in week four. They lost Jackson to injury against Rutgers, and the team fell off a cliff. Uh, they ended up 76th in offensive S&P+. Plus. A slight improvement, actually, over the prior year. And that's predominantly due to those great running backs. But the QB play was a disaster. The injury bug bit them again. Their young offensive line gave up a Big Ten high of 38 sacks. And they were also pretty horrible in run blocking. They were 106th and 107th in power and stuff rate. They were 85th in, in adjusted line yards. Like, everything this team did last year was because of how good their running backs were. Anthony McFarland what? and Jason Leak. What? What were the practices like week to week in the trenches for this football team? I'm just did they just well, did they but, just like let student managers play offensive and defensive line week to week like But I mean here's the thing like how much does this season remind you of what Northwestern went through in 2001? And and, and after the death of 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 Jordan McNair like I mean they were coming off of such an emotional offseason the the um 
the confusion around the around the coaches. Like I just, I, I I'm. It seems like that that Penn State. I mean, they were riding so high, right? They lost a really tight game on the road to Temple. They had this huge. I mean, remember they they shut down classes. They canceled classes for this Friday evening game against Penn State and got absolutely hammered, fifty nine to nothing. And it was like you you just pulled the plug out of the balloon and and they deflated immediately. Um, I you know uh, Dante Demas emerged as a breakout wide receiver. And, and I and I mentioned I said Jason like uh, Javon Leak and Anthony McFarland at, at running back. Outside of that, it was it was crazy. And now this year, there's like a wild amount of change due to transfers, early NFL entries, etc. But but to me, it seems like they've got some real opportunity to, to to improve. And 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 I'll go back to that point about Jordan McNair, right? I mean, first of all, Mike Loxley and his staff were taking over an emotionally drained program. There were season-long questions surrounding Chris Ash and the staff coming into 2019, and I think, I mean, I like, I, I can't imagine what 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 this team went through. Um, that being said, Loxley's a legit coach. I mean, he gets a lot of crap for what happened at, at New Mexico, but by all accounts, he has really learned from that experience and is is prepared to do things differently at Maryland. Now, maybe that's just the media blowing smoke, but the fact is, he was uh, he's got legit offensive experience from Alabama. He's now brought in a new offensive coordinator in Scotty Montgomery, who was OC under David Cutcliffe for those two magical seasons at Duke, 19 wins and one ACC title appearance. So I like, again, I think, I think on offense, you can, you should expect some, some decent improvement this year. Um, their offensive line is still a question. They return more starting experience. They've got three really talented guys, but they lost two four-star talents to transfer. That being said, the only way to go from last year is up, so they're they're probably going to improve a little bit. It likely won't be the strength of the team. Running back is super young. Both those guys I mentioned, McFarland and Leak, went to the NFL early. Uh, they've recruited well here, but um, so they've got a lot of talent. But again, super young. That tends to not be a problem at running back. Uh, you know, generally you're able to to just plug and play. Whether they can match the 1,300 yards, 16 TDs, and and six yards per carry average that those guys ran for last year. I mean, that's probably not likely, but at the same time, they're probably going to start a four-star, 225-pound monster named Penny Boone, who's from Detroit. And then they've got another guy named Isaiah Jacobs, a high three-star recruit. I mean, these guys, they're going to be just fine at running back. The wide receiver core is suddenly really good at the top end. So Dante Demas, I mentioned, uh, he was a, he was a newcomer last year. He led all categories uh, for the team, especially after um, Jashawn Jones got injured. He uh, showed some real explosive ability. He's going to be joined by five-star recruit Rakeem Jarrett out of D.C. Demas is going to play the large physical receiver role, while, while Jarrett is basically Stefan Diggs reincarnate. The biggest question, not surprisingly, given that it's Maryland, is quarterback. Uh, Josh Jackson may still have the starting role, but breathing fast down his neck is uh, Lance uh, Legendry. I don't know if I'm getting that right, but his name is basically Legendry, which is pretty pretty freaking cool um he's a true dual threat qb everybody perceives that that's the coaching staff's preference jackson really struggled last year especially against good teams before getting injured and then just couldn't couldn't get it back so i could see them wanting to go in a new direction but the reality is like maryland maryland qbs have been getting injured and annihilated for years they're going to need both of these guys this season especially because tyler pigrome and uh tyler desu who were the other two guys that got playing time last year have both transferred out so 
I, like, I think they're going to play significant minutes. I think the likelihood of Jackson having a bit of a bounce back year. I mean, he was really good as a freshman at Virginia Tech. There's reason to believe that he can he can perform in this offense. I think I think they're going to be much much better. Um, maybe in part because most of the defenses in the East have stepped back. I mean, Ohio State's still amazing, but they probably can't be as amazing as they were last year. You know, we talked. Michigan has got a a, a a rebuild. Michigan State, God knows what's happening there. Penn State's really good, but outside of that, like they can probably get a little bit better. Their record may not reflect that improvement, giving to giving what we heard from John, but. Um, I also think, you know, they, they've got some really tough crossover teams, but the, the pieces are here for them to get better, and and the pieces are definitely here for, for Loxley building for the future. The other thing I'll mention is that they had the fourth worst-rated special teams in all of college football last year. They were four slots worse than Northwestern even. Wow. And I, I mentioned Rakeem Jarrett. He is Stefan Diggs reincarnate. And if you don't think he's going to be returning kickoffs and punts and doing a damn better job than whatever they had going on last year, you're crazy. So they're going to improve in two major facets of, of the game. Defense is probably going to drop off a bit. And, and I, I bet net-net they're going to be a bit better. Well, it, I mean, it sounds like it can't be much worse on, on the special team side, at least. Um you mentioned their their schedule, their crossovers, and those are on, on the tougher side. I mean, they've got Wisconsin, they've got us, and they've got Minnesota. And you know, we'll we'll talk about Minnesota down the road. I, I know we we all have thoughts about the Gophers this year, but um, two, two two of the three best defenses in the West. Yes. Yeah. Uh, w- which three teams again? Northwestern, Wisconsin, and Minnesota. Two yes. of the three best D's in the West. Absolutely. That's definitely true. <laughs> um, and, you know, they might pick up a – like, we might be looking at 10-game schedule. Or, like, we're still just not sure yet. So, um, you know. Yeah, kid Illinois, like, <laughs> hooray. Here's the problem with this, okay? Everything Scuzz said about Loxley is true. Like, his bona fides are totally there. I totally believe they're going to have a better offense this year. Um, There's talent there, and he's a good offensive coach. Here's the problem. If you look at last year's Nebraska, Ohio State, Minnesota, and Penn State games, if you give Maryland 40 more points... In every one of those games, they still lose all four of those games. <laughs> and their defense may be worse. In fact, probably will be worse. I think their offense is going to be a lot better. I mean, again, they're, they they had messed with injuries and everything and he's building. But here's like another kind of a side to this. I really do think that Loxley's being given some real rope here. And yeah. on the defensive side of the ball, like, I'm, like again, it's not just that they don't have any talent. It's that I don't really think they're going to try to do anything on defense next year. I think they're recruiting, and right now he's selling guys, four-star recruits in the Virginia Beach area on, come start in the Big Ten as a true freshman immediately. And that they're just, he's just thinking X years down the road, maybe I can build an Indiana kind of situation here. Um, And so, but defensively, they're so, like, I think they're going to score a lot of points next year, a lot more points. I think it's going to be kind of sexy. They just, 
every team that Sam mentioned, they can't stop those teams defensively from moving the ball. Not a single one, including us. We can easily move the ball on the ground against Maryland, even if our passing game remains an absolute disaster. I mean, that's where this team is last. Like, Nebraska, not a good football team. Beat this team 54-7 to last year. Um, and the other thing that I would add is the non-con getting taken off everyone's schedule, particularly crappy for Maryland, because Maryland has this three-year streak going of a totally inexplicable non-conference win that runs counter to their performance the entire rest of the season. <laughs> they took Texas twice, and then they beat the tar off of Syracuse in the second week of the season last year. A team that I feel like if they play that game 10 more times, Syracuse beats them badly in at least nine of those games. And they didn't just beat Syracuse, they destroyed them. Um, West Virginia is very happy right now. Yeah, exactly. So it's like the, but with that said, again, it's like, it's so hard. um, Well, well, here's the upshot for them, though. They get Minnesota, Rutgers, and Michigan State at home. And... Now, now, Minnesota's, you know, whether whether or not Minnesota is is the third weakest team on their schedule remains to be seen vis-a-vis Northwestern and Indiana. But the fact that they get those three teams at home, those, I mean, that's that's three winnable games, which is three two more games in the Big Ten than they won last year if they right. can pull them off, right? And and again, it's like as awful as their defense is going to be, and it may be historically awful. Um, the the fact of the matter is, when you add up the strength and the quality of the, of Maryland's team on offense and defense, they're just at a, still at another level above Rutgers, and that's why they obliterated Rutgers last season. So they're probably looking at that win. Right, Michigan State, I mean, this will be the kind of test. I mean, Michigan State... With all the problems that they have and their, you know, the changing identity and you know the wide receiver shift you talked about and everything, scuzz, they still should be able to just not overthink it and move the ball against Maryland. But right, Michigan State's defense never been particularly good at defending the pass anyway, and if they are kind of like a mess, Maryland can totally score points on them um, in any game other than Rutgers. They're gonna be, you know, hoping to win a really high scoring game and and stealing a victory. It's just. It's really hard to see more than like three wins here. Can, can I throw an amazing stat your guys' way? Yeah. Um, so I was I was just trying to trying to bolster my my special teams commentary, and I got all worried because I was like, oh wait a minute, their punt returner averaged thirty five yards per per return, and then I realized they only returned three punts. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Now, now, obviously, they did not. They did not only force three punts on the whole season, but you know that number is so low because of how bad their D was last year, and then you know presumably a lot of things went into the end zone or were free catches, et cetera. But I, that's, I know that's, a lot, that's a quarter of Northwestern who never returns punts. I know a lot of people are thinking that I am being way too hyperbolic. I encourage you go look at how bad this defense was. And then Riley Lee's returned 16 punts. Go look at how bad this defense was and then go look at what they return and what's going to be playing for them next year. You won't see a worse unit. You just won't see a worse unit at this level of college football. And that's the other problem too, because you're right. Loxley's totally building something on offense. But if you just look at their schedule, at least as it's currently constituted, right? Minnesota, 
there are there continue to be things that people are totally misreading about Minnesota, but you can't argue with the performance last year in wins and losses, and you can't argue with a lot of the pieces they have on offense. They're building something there. Indiana, building something there. Northwestern, we were a mess last year, but our defense is is heads and tails above either of these Maryland units. And it just the overall talent and depth on our team is just way above what Maryland has. Wisconsin, I mean, don't make me laugh. Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State. I mean, these are all teams, even Michigan, that are really set in what they're doing and have like a culture in place. Maryland's trying to build something from the ground up right now. And that puts them way behind the eight ball against everyone on their schedule except Rutgers and Michigan State. And that's not taking into account the talent deficiency, which they definitely have against just about every one of their opponents. I mean, again, the future might be good for them. Loxley may be able to build them up um, over the next couple of years and find a toehold. Like, again, it's they're another team that maybe can, you know, pin a target on Michigan State's back over time. But not this year. Like they just, it, they're just not here at this point. Correct me if I'm wrong. This is the second time that we're gonna have seen them since they joined the conference. Is that right? They haven't been believe, to Northwestern yet. I believe that's true. Okay. Yes, correct. So um, you know, for the first time, we get to see Maryland uh, come to Evanston. Well, well, we don't get to see it. Well, we we'll might get to watch it on TV. Yeah. Truth. We'll see. Yeah. Well, maybe. It, let's put it this way. That one would be very social distancing friendly. I don't think Maryland's going to be bringing a crowd. <laughs> Sam, if, Sam, if that game does happen, what what crab-based uh, food will you be tailgating with? Ooh, that's a great question. I mean, something's going to be soaked in Old Bay. That, that's just, <laughs> yes. you know. Don't know what it'll be, but maybe, I don't know. Soft shell, ah, we can't really find soft shell crabs here. So no, but you could do you could do crab cakes on your um, on your skillet attachment. Sure, yeah, crab cakes. You know, yeah, maybe. Ooh, here's what we do. Um, maybe we, you know, load up the the beer brats in Old Bay. I just, not a, not I just, there's there's a Maryland defense soaked in Old Bay metaphor in there somewhere. <laughs> <then>. <laughs> Well, oh, before man. before we descend too far into madness, uh, let's go ahead and leave it there for the Terps. Uh, head to our website, westlawpirates.com, where you can leave comments and questions. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at Pirates, And you can email the show, westlawpirates at gmail.com. Tune in next time as we give our visceral and statistical views on Northwestern athletics. And look for us in the West Slot of Ryan Field flying the red pirate flag, because we give no quarter, especially the fourth. For John Lacombe and Eric Skousby, I'm Sam Walter. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time. Thank <laughs> you.